Greetings and welcome back to the Clarity Podcast. So excited to be here again today with our friend and Dick Foth for another session of Back Channel with Foth. And then we're going to jump into our interview with Caroline Saunders on home. Dick, welcome back to the podcast. Thanks a million, Aaron. My joy. Dick, I got two more questions for you today. Um, number one, can you share a, a moment about a moment you recognized an area of growth or yeah, in somebody close to you in ministry? Yeah, I, I was in Washington, D.C., and there was a fellow who had been in missions in Africa for mm -hmm. nine years. They were unable for medical reasons to return, and um, we were just chatting. Then I think I, I've shared this story with you before, but the folks listening haven't heard it. But I asked him one day, uh, so if you could do anything in the world, what would you do? Like create a role, which is always a fun question to ask, you know, right? Yeah. Because that, that answer is different at different ages. Sure. And and he said, having had this experience a lot of time spent in villages in the bush in Africa, he said, I would like to spend my life sitting under a cashew tree in some African village, um, uh, talking with the elders of the village about Jesus. Hmm. And at that point, I said to him, you know, we do a lot of that cashew tree stuff here in D.C., which is one-on-one yeah. -on -one walking with folks. Uh, folks who are listening who might know the organization Young Life know that they sort of have a mantra, which is um, come alongside and earn the right to be heard. Hmm. And that was, it wasn't Young Life, but it was one of that, that sort of motif was in sure. play. Long story short, at that point, he stepped into that world, uh, working with people in leadership uh, specifically in the United States Senate, and specifically one person, and when and that's lasted until just now when that person retired for 25 years, and to see him step into that, yeah, because he he was not a person and is person who if it were military would be a battalion commander. Hmm. He's not the person that you want to have lead hundreds. Sure, what you do want him is you want him on the SEAL team. You want him in special ops. In that mm. group of six or eight, yeah. or whatever it is, and so uh, that would be a point in time. There are others, but that one particularly stands out. Yeah, good, good deal. And so, and then the, the follow up question for that is, and you kind of shared a little bit about that, about encouraging and helping them grow in that area. Is can you take talk a little bit about that? Sure. Um, in terms of addressing and encouraging change. Yeah. Uh, by personality, again, he was he was reticent. He isn't the person. Um, but but he knew. I think he knew that he could walk with ones and twos and have it have an effect. The problem mm -hmm. is when you're stepping into the club of a hundred, the United States Senate. Sure. That's a totally different deal. I mean, that's a. Totally. So I just told him the story about the first time I, I sat with a U.S. senator. I've said it on this uh, podcast before, I think, that uh, you know, I'm a kid from East Oakland, California, so I wasn't brought up in the, in the uh, high ether of what is sure. considered that part of the, of the globe. And, uh, and I was whining to God and just said, you know, what do I say to a United States senator? And I felt like he said to me, not, not a, a voice per se, but a, but a thought, that if you speak to the king of the universe in the morning, it's not so hard to speak to the United States senator in the afternoon. And I shared that with him. Mm -hmm. And what, what the senator needed was somebody to walk with him. And, and this, he knew a lot about politics, but nothing about Africa. 
Hmm. And my friend knew nothing about politics <laughs> and a fair amount about Africa. Yeah. And so that's what he brought to the table. And so I just kept having coffees and lunches with him and asking after him, as they say in some parts of our country. I just, yeah. I just said, so how's that going? What's up? Without yeah. prying, because it's a private relationship. Sure. So anyway, that's how we did it. Yeah. And Dick, just on that, you know, a lot of what your your time in D.C. and then the, the gentleman you're referring to, it's not something you could put in newsletters and you couldn't put it on, so, you know, today's social media. And no. so, yeah, how did you walk through that, knowing that this is what God had called you to do, but it wasn't something you could necessarily, uh, I don't know, look, f- well, put out there? Yeah. In, in this case, he was part of a missions organization. Yeah. And we had to have the conversation where we said, anything, here, here's where trust comes into play. One, do you think this is a valuable enterprise to yeah. encourage people in national leadership toward Jesus or in him? Yeah. And, and to do what they do without any pictures, without any reference in a newsletter, no national publication. That's very hard for yeah. people in leadership, especially when you're trying to raise a dollar. Yeah. If I can be so blunt. And, but I credit the leadership to say, we trust you with this. Hmm. We, and it has in in its own way has paid off, uh, maybe not directly to the missions organization, but in that Senator's life. So that when he gave his retirement speech on the Senate floor a few weeks ago, he referenced this whole thing. Hmm. He talked about it. See, Hmm. if he talks about it, that's one thing. Yeah. If my friend talks about it, that's an ethical problem. Sure. And so you can go to the congressional record and see that message, that speech about Africa, about Jesus. It's there. Wow. They had to write it down, man. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Amazing. Dick, it's always a joy to hang out with you. And uh, yeah, just to hear your wisdom and insight and your stories. Um, I'm going to go ahead and jump into our interview with Caroline Saunders on the story of home. Well, there's no time better than now to get started. So here we go. Greetings and welcome back to the Clarity Podcast. So excited to have a new friend of the podcast, Caroline Saunders. Welcome, Caroline. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Are you doing well today? I'm doing well. How are Perfect. you? Perfect. I'm doing good. Caroline has been kind to me. Um, I made a big snafu yesterday, and uh, she's so I want to apologize publicly and thank her for her kindness. So, no big deal. I'm a go with the flow gal. So well, I let's, appreciate. Let's just pre- go with the flow. <laughs> All right. Appreciate it very much. Will you mind sharing a little bit about yourself before we kind of jump into some of the questions I have for you today? Sure. Uh, My name is Caroline Saunders. I am married to my husband, Luke. We met when I was 16, and he pastors a church in North Mississippi. So that's where we live with our three children, a nine-year-old, a seven-and-a-half-year-old, and a a three-and-a-half-year-old. Wow, fun And they are so fun. Yes, every age is hilarious and fun in its own way. So we have enjoyed that so much. And um, I am a writer, so whenever I am not doing... The wife thing, the mother thing, the church thing, I am usually writing. It's how God made me. It's like how I have to process the world, and it's also how I serve. And so one of the most exciting ways has been to serve 
um, kids and get to appoint them to God's word. And, and sometimes I write for women and sometimes I write for teenagers and it's, it's all very fun. And my goal for all of it is to help people know and love God and know and love his word. Awesome. So your love, love for writing and for kids, is that something that's always been a passion of yours? How, what's kind of the genesis of writing these stories, writing these books? Yeah. Just be interested in that. I think it is something that I've always been interested in. I have a very clear memory from the third grade when our job was to write and illustrate a book for a school project. And I just poured my heart and soul into it and genuinely believed like, this book is going to change people. This is going to turn people's hearts. You know, I really believe that as like a nine-year-old. And I think I still have that in me that I just really desire to to point people to goodness and point people to God through my writing. So I, I just think it, it's always been like that. Now, I haven't always known it would turn out as really being a writer, somebody who gets to do that as a job, but what a fun and wonderful surprise that that's how it worked out. I'm so grateful. Very exciting and honestly, very ex- inspiring. Um, God places dreams in our hearts and minds at a young age like that. And to see it realized and see you doing that, uh, doing it now is, um, I just think, a uh, a big encouragement um, for all of us. Story and Soul. Um, just out of curiosity, could you share share a little bit about Story and Soul before we jump into some uh, questions about home? Yes. Okay. So Story and Soul is a parachurch women's ministry that a couple of friends and I have started. And the primary way that we serve our area is by creating this women's retreat. We do it every year. And it was kind of birthed out of our own desires and all these things that we felt like, oh, wouldn't it be so great? We were all new moms. I think each of us had two kids. Everybody was a toddler. It was absolute chaos. And we were just daydreaming one day and saying, you know, wouldn't it be so great if there was a weekend that we could take to get away and finish a whole conversation without anyone interrupting or finish a whole cup of coffee or have a, have a long meal or have someone teach God's word to us in a way that was so rich, but, but was in a taught in a way where we could still take it in in this life stage where it feels like we're forgetting everything. And wouldn't that just be so wonderful to have a whole weekend to connect with God and connect with one another And I share this with my husband, who is a pastor and also a visionary, and he's like a get it done kind of guy. So when I explained this to him, he said, well, I don't know why you're not doing it. And then I thought, oh, okay, well, why don't we try? And so we did try. And so now for the past seven years, we have done this women's retreat. And we partner primarily with local churches. You know, it's very difficult to plan a women's retreat. And so many churches are not able to do it because they don't have the resourcing. They don't have the funding. Maybe they don't have the vision or the capacity. And so we're sort of like, hey, outsource that to us. We believe that the women in your church desire to connect with one another and to connect with God. We believe that this will benefit your whole church, and we would love to serve you in this way. So we serve lots of uh, small to medium-sized churches, and sometimes individuals come. And it's been so special. My role in all of it is I'm like the content person. Uh, Obviously, as a writer, that's what I care about. So I'm not like a event planner. That stuff is all very difficult for me. But what I bring to the table out of, you know, I do those things out of faithfulness, but what I bring to the table out of, I feel like uh, how God has equipped me, how God has gifted me is content. So I've always had a very clear view about how we want to teach these women. And it was all very story driven. You know, my life really changed when I realized the Bible was one big story. Mm -hmm. And so the first year, I retold the big story of the Bible through the theme of light. 
and I talked about light in Genesis and I traced it all the way through to Revelation, told it like a story because I thought, you know, a story that's easier for us to remember. It's easier for us to process, easier for us to engage with, but it's still very rich. So I do that uh, the very first night of every retreat. I teach the big story of the Bible. And then we'll bring a speaker in to kind of zoom in on that theme and various passages. But what's been really neat about that is because I have done a different story every year, I have at least seven big stories in my back pocket. And so when I was approached about writing a children's book, I had a bunch of ideas and some of them have now been able to turn into books. And it's just very exciting um, to see that start just from, you know, doing some local ministry. Yeah. Exciting. So this, this could be either way spouse. Um, but in your instance, you mentioned, you shared it with your husband and he asked, why are you not doing it for spouses listening into this husband, wife, vice versa. And the other spouse has something that God has placed in the heart. What does it mean to have the other spouse say, Hey, you should be doing that. Let me get behind you. Is that a fair question? Yes, I think it, I I felt so supported by that. Mm. I felt so, um, sometimes we can imagine things, dream up things, and we're, we're quick to dismiss ourselves and say, oh, that's Mm. silly, or that won't really serve. And so to have the person who knows me the best validate it and say, I feel like you have something to offer. And I feel like you need to pay attention to this idea and see if this is something that God has for you. That was very exciting to me. And I, I doubt I would have ever done it if he hadn't really hit push because it's just really not my personality. And I have seen it honestly, uh, be, have be so impactful in my own life and in our community. And it was just because some, you know, my husband decided to say like, Hey, you should see that through. So I think it's really exciting. It is. And it's, it's, um, just as you shared that, I think sometimes, his spouses, you shared, you know, our spouse is the one that knows us the best. Um, and just to have that encouragement rather than sometimes I think we could say, hey, we got kids at home. We got all this going on. Uh, you don't need to do it because you already sound like you have a lot of things going on. And <laughs> yes. Add another thing to the plate sounds. But just for to have the uh, the spouse say, hey, if God's laid that on your heart, I think you should be doing it. And I think it's encouragement, at least it's for me, when with my wife, if, you know, that um, God lays something on her heart for me to be there to support her, encourage her as she moves forward and, and not necessarily think about how it's going to impact my life if, if she's <laughs> doing something else. So anyway, so uh, sorry, those were just some questions I had um, off the cuff, but um, I'm going to jump in now to home. Um, so you've written about home. So what what does home look, feel, smell, and sound like to you? You know, I think I love this question because I think that we all have a very clear answer to this. Maybe that we couldn't even put words to, but you know it when you see it, and you know it when you smell it, and you know it when you feel it, you know it, you know it when you hear it, all those different things. And um, it, it's something that I think changes over time. There's lots of different things that sound like home to me, that feel like home to me. But I think it, it's different things. Like I remember visiting my childhood church and my ears really perked up when I heard the sound of the Bibles, the pe- Bible pages rustling across the sanctuary. And I realized, oh my goodness, this is a sound I heard every Sunday of my life growing mm. up. And I hadn't heard it in a while. I was in a different building and there were more yeah. digital phones at this, at, you know, our newer church and all these different sure. things. And I just felt like, oh my goodness, I'm at home. Yeah. Or, you know, I think we all have different scents. Like, I'm like, of Olay moisturizer smells like home because that's the moisturizer she used. And sure. she's like, oh, I hate that that's your association. But I'm like, <laughs> I love it. You know, or it's, it's the sound of a certain person's voice. Um, 
I mean, many of us have, if, if I, I keep coming up with church examples, but you know, I was at one particular church for a long time and I had a friend who sung on the worship team and she sung so often that her voice, when I hear her sing, it takes me back to a specific place, a specific time, a, play, a time when I felt very at home. Yeah. So I think it can be a range of things. It doesn't have to be sounds and feelings um, in your own actual house. It can, cool. it, home is almost bigger than that. Yeah. Um, but of course, there are things in our house, you know, the sound of all the kids busting in when everybody yeah. gets home or um, even just the way the dog barks when the mailman's just kind of nearby at all or, or just different things, I, I think, can just remind us of home. And it's almost like you don't recognize it until you're removed from it and then you hmm. you hear it again or see it again. No, it's, it, that really resonates. I, um, My wife always knows when I'm at home or I'm from Wally Ford, West Virginia. When I'm talking to someone from home or I'm at home, she says my voice, this, the twang turns on. Um, I don't, I don't, obviously I don't hear it and don't know that I'm doing it, but I think that's how I know that I'm at home. Evidently she knows I'm at home because my voice changes and, and I begin to speak West Virginianese or whatever we speak in the, in the mountains. But um, yeah, and this, the smells, I, it's, it's interesting how those things are there and just how you feel, feel known. And um, that's, that's why I'm so excited just to, to talk with you this evening. Um, because many of the people listening in, they're, they're traveling around the world and they're moving from place to place. And this idea of home, I just, I think you have a lot to to encourage us with. So it's good. So, so what's God been speaking to you? Home of subjects. How did you land on on this 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 idea of home? And how has God been speaking to you about the importance um, for the world today? Well, it's it's pretty interesting because it was September 2019, and I went to a concert for a musician that I would recommend to anybody named Caroline Cobb, and she writes a lot about the story of the Bible, and she knew that I write a lot about that. And so we were talking, and in the conversation, she said, you know what theme you should do next is you should do home, the story of home. And immediately I said, that's it. A hundred percent. That's what I'm doing. So I had planned that September, 2019. It gets into 2020. I start preparing it. And then home, of course, became a very, an even more intense term than perhaps it had been before. Home is always very complicated for us. I think everybody has painful stories of home. Everybody has Mm. wonderful stories of home. And those were almost exacerbated and exposed even more in 2020. Many of us were felt like we were trapped in our homes. Many of us were kept from seeing people who felt like home to us, perhaps even lost people who felt like home to us. And it was a very fraught and difficult time. So I'm, Mm. I'm searching the scriptures for anything about home. And the whole time I'm like, this feels like a mean trick because I do not want to talk about this right now. And my <laughs> husband had even seen something that was cautioning churches against using the word home in their marketing. Like, you know, churches will say like, be home or come yeah. home or yeah. whatever. And and people, it was not resonating with people because home, <laughs> people were <laughs> sick of home. And so I thought, oh, great. You know, this is ridiculous. But I, I mean, I was so captivated by this theme and out of all the stories that I've written, it was the most emotional, the most Mm. challenging because it revealed so many things that are very painful about home. So many things that we long for, even the things that are so wonderful, we just are so aware that they lack permanence. And Mm. I think that in itself is painful and it's just really good news what the Bible has to say about home because all of it is pointing 
pointing to our ultimate and our eternal and our true home that actually will be permanent, that no one can break, where there is no pain and there is no tears. And so it was such beautiful news. And I think that grappling with all those pain points um, leads us to a deeper worship of the Lord because we're able to see what he's doing. And and we're just so glad and we just want to go home so bad. (laughs) It's it's, uh, very true. And you talk about the emotions of home. I think, you know, as you said that, that really makes me yeah, I can, the emotions and the feelings and thought, it can, you can almost transport yourself back there really quick when you think about it. And recognizing that, you know, I, I was blessed. Uh, my home growing up was like, you know, leave it to Beaver. Um, it was the idealistic upbringing, but recognizing that that not everybody had that same experience. Um, and home isn't always, you know, with positive thoughts, positive feelings, and, and positive stories that come from that. Um, but I'm thankful for my parents that gave me the the leave it to beaver upbringing. So it was a, it was a good, good, good place in Wally Ford. Uh, so Bible stories, you talk about how the Bible speaks to that. What are some of the Bible stories that come to mind when you think of home? Well, I think the first one that comes to mind, and I bet other people are able to think of it, but the Bible starts with a perfect home. And sometimes we skip over that because Hmm. we know by Genesis three, sin enters the picture, but in Genesis one and two, God is building a home and it is so beautiful and it is abundant and it is full of goodness. And in fact, when the serpent tempts Eve, that's kind of what he's inviting her to doubt, you know, doubt God's goodness, doubt the abundance. He frames it up as if God is withholding from her, as if this place isn't spectacular and doesn't hold all she needs, but that she needs to reach outside of God's design. Mm. And we see right from the beginning that the enemy of home is sin because, you know, the, the physical home does not change when Adam and Eve eat from the tree and yet everything changes. And so we know that home is It is a place, but it's not merely a place because it's also a people and it's also a peace. And those things are destroyed when sin enters the picture. Anytime we step outside of God's design, we can know that the home that we're in is going to experience some level of brokenness and pain. And so that's how the Bible starts. And I think that's a very important foundational story of home. And then after that, you know, Adam and Eve have to leave this home and um, we see this theme of homesickness, of people longing to be with the God they were created to be with, longing to be at home with him, but at the same time, um, not willing to live inside his design. And it's just so complicated. There's so much homesickness. And so God, though, is being so faithful to offer glimmers of the home that he is creating. We see this in the tabernacle. We see this in the temple. You might even say it, see it in the way that God's people were enslaved in Egypt and God delivers them from this unsafe home and is leading them to a promised land, this place yeah. of abundance. It's, it's a glimmer. It's, it's not really the final destination. It's a glimmer of the final destination. And so you have all these smaller stories of home and they all point to Jesus, who is the one who built the way home because the way home had to include um, conquering the enemy of home, which is sin. And so he did that. So I always say like, you know, he built the way home through the wood of the cross, through the nails in his hands. He built the way home so that God could be with his people. Cause it's not just about people being at home. It's about people being at home with God and God being home with people. And so Jesus makes the way for that with to happen. It's so significant that he's called Emmanuel God with us. He makes the way for the witness to happen. And then he ascends to heaven, but God, the spirit comes to dwell within God's people. 
And it's this promise that Jesus is going to come back. And when Jesus comes back, he sets up a new heaven and a new earth, this eternal home that no intruder can enter, that sin cannot break, uh, where, where we will be with him fully and truly forever. So there are lots of little stories of home. And you can see how when you look at all of them, they create an even bigger story of what God is doing. And that has been so exciting to see. No, for sure. And and as you share, it just makes me realize the story that you the stories that you share from God's word go kind of in direct contrast to what the world and our culture speaks about home today. Any any thoughts on that? On where we are in 2023 when it comes to the ideas of home. Um, my wife and I watch a lot of the home shows, building shows and that kind of stuff. But but the the feel of home and what culture says is home. Any any thoughts on that? Oh, absolutely. I mean, we we have really, I think, taken in a very short-sighted view of home. We have we are so tempted to think that a renovated kitchen, um, a home that had that is organized, a home that is clean, a home that people that's in a safe neighborhood, a home that is, I don't know, whatever the sure. different, we all have probably different value systems, but all these different values, we've decided that is what will make me be at home. You know, if I can find a house, I mean, I do think this often. I'm like, if I could get a better laundry room, you know, then I could really, <laughs> you know, because our laundry room is a situation. Yeah. And, and there's just different things like that. If I, if I could finally get this place organized where it's not chaotic, if I could get my kids to pick up their toys, if I could finally have a cleaning rhythm, or if I could make this place look good enough where people could drop by and I wouldn't feel weird about what they saw, we can just think all kinds of different things. Um, and we've settled for something so much less. And one of the things that I think is helpful is uh, this experience I have with my daughter. My daughter is such a homebody. It's it's just, I think, I mean, we all are, but she really is to the point where she has scribbled, I love home on a, a piece of furniture. That's where we're at. So she loves our home. And because of that, she has this fear that um, she won't, th- that something will happen and we'll have to move. And so one of the things I always tell her, I'm like, Adelaide, you know, all these things you love about our home, all these beautiful things, because there are some great things here. You know, we're together with our family. We're making good memories. She has her own room. It's painted purple. Like we, we are really enjoying uh, that part of our home, but it's really just a glimmer of the bigger home that God is building. Even those wonderful things about our home, even when we have a renovated kitchen and we enjoy it, uh, even when, uh, even those good things. Um, and so I think that we have just thought this is the end of the story. And so I have to make it, uh, I have to make it perfect here rather than accepting whatever the good gifts are that God has given us and knowing that all of it, good or bad points to the bigger thing. That's that's challenging as as you were sharing. It makes, made me think, you know, I obviously grew up, well, not obviously, I grew up in the church and frequently on Sunday nights after church, we would have people to our home. And home was a place of of being with like-minded people. Um, and also it was an opportunity you invited people over to your home. It was an opportunity to share your faith. And um, most of the people listening into this podcast are global nomads. So they're in and out. So you've seen a culture change in the United States where we're focused on having a beautiful home, but we don't necessarily invite people into it. Um, and it's just a fascinating culture of things. I think our homes are probably nicer than they ever have been, but they least in my part of the world where I come from, less you invite less and less people over um, to your yes. beautiful home that you've created. And so I think 
you're probably wondering what what is he trying to get to? I just think it's opportunities when we invite people into our homes. It's opportunities to share the love of Christ, share his blessings, and um, for people really to have intimate relationships. Not that maybe you can have that at a restaurant. I don't know. But having people over, does that make any sense at all? Absolutely. I think that if we receive the things that we have, we see them as gifts, we use them. And, yeah. and, and we're willing to use our home as a tool. But sometimes culture tempts us to use our home as maybe an identity marker or a way we display who we are or we prove who we are or we prove that we've got it together or something like that. And and that would be obviously wielding our home in a completely wrong way. But if we're like, oh, God, thank you for this place that I have, whatever it is, however it looks, and how can I steward it for your glory? And I do think that means having people over. I think it means having people over who cannot pay you back in any way. People who having them over doesn't build you social currency, doesn't uh, feel like a pat on the back that you're just like, I just, uh, it's not like we're wanting to impress anybody. We're just wanting to use our homes to point to the bigger story of home. And I think, I think we can do it. And I think it's wonderful and freeing to do it. It's way better news than feeling like you have to have your house perfectly put together and impress people. I mean, that's exhausting. I would I would agree on the exhausting part of it for sure. So, <laughs> so you've written this book. Um, how can parents use the book to have conversations with their children about about home, um, about what God's word speaks about home, how it points to Jesus? In your mind, how are you thinking parents would be able to sit down with their kids and use this to have these important discussions about home? Well, I gave a little glimmer about this when I was talking about my daughter, Adelaide. Sure. Um, home is a topic that is just naturally going to come up because wherever you live, that's your home. You know, if you have kids, that's your home with your kids. Um, there's going to be times they have to leave it. It may just be as simple as they have to go to school. And that can be very scary. Or it may be that they're going to camp or, or you're traveling or um, maybe you have to move. I mean, I, I know your audience understands how fraught that can be to have to pick up and move and how it can be very difficult on a kid. So home is going to come up, whether in a big way, whether in a small way. And all of these are opportunities to point to the bigger story. So I think I am hoping that this book will equip parents to be aware of that and to use that those conversations as an opportunity to point to the bigger story. So you know, when my daughter Adelaide is worried about moving, uh, we're not planning to move right now. And I could say to her, don't worry about that. We're not moving and, and just move on. I could say that. And sometimes I say that to an extent because I don't want her to just, you know, dive headfirst into worry and never come up. Like we're probably not moving. You know, y- you can see that that's not something you probably need to actively be spending your imagination on at the same time. I am so glad that you love our home and I know why you love it. The reason you love it is because God is giving you hints about what the biggest, best, our eternal home is like. When you love being together here with your family, guess what? God is creating a home where you will be together forever with God's family. And so I think we just, we use all those conversations as an opportunity to point to a bigger thing. That's what I'm really hoping it'll accomplish. No, and then, uh, and I, I'm sh- I, I'm sure that it will. And many, as you mentioned, uh, there many of the people listening in, 
are looking for that idea of home. They maybe they're homesick. Maybe they've their kids. They moved to a, a country. They don't know people. They're trying to have this idea of home. Uh, obviously, pointing to the our eternal home, but at the same time, struggling with being homesick. Maybe they feel lonely. Um, any words of encouragement, maybe for a family that's in that place where they're they're feeling homesick, they're feeling lonely. Uh, obviously, pointing to eternity, and at the same time, they're they're in a place where they just don't feel like they belong. Yes. Well, I have, I have two thoughts about that. One, I think that feeling of homesickness, it naturally, we naturally feel so alone in it. We feel like this is not right. I am so alone. Something's off. It is encouraging to know that in the big story of the Bible, homesickness is actually incredibly normal, Mm. incredibly normal and something that God uses to draw people to himself. I think about Moses. He wrote Psalm 90. It starts with, Oh Lord, you have been our home for all generations which is very significant because if you know Moses' story, this man almost never had a home, right? He was raised by Egyptians. He wasn't raised by his people. And then he fled and then he came back and he's leading people through the wilderness. He didn't even get to enter the promised land. This is a man who homesickness is part of his story. Hmm. And even, you know, we see that with Jesus, the son of man has nowhere to lay down his head or he's rejected by his, his hometown and even by his family. And, and even him leaving, his perfect home and glory to come tabernacle among us, to come dwell among us. Homesickness is a very common theme among um, uh, uh, in the Bible. And so I think that can be encouraging. Also, I think it's encouraging to remember our reality now as we wait for Jesus to return, as we wait for that eternal home. We have this, I think, double experience of home. And it's like, you know, God dwells within his people. So it's Christ in, Christ is in us. And at the same time, because we are in Christ, we're also in him. So Christ in, in Christ, it's this sort of double theological experience of home. Means that because you have Christ, you have a deposit of home wherever you are. Hmm. Now, that doesn't mean that homesickness will not plague. It will. But the homesickness doesn't have to be a thing that defeats us. It can be an invitation to uh, remember the promises and know that a way better promise than uh, going back to the place you think is home here on earth, a way better promise than that is what you have in Christ and what he has promised for you. So I think it's good to put the promises in the right places um, because ultimately that's, that's what will satisfy. So I hope that that is encouraging. It's something I reflect on a lot. And, you know, my life is, is really normal. I know I'm not enduring the diff, the different stories of home that, that many in your audience are remembering, but I do know that God's word is yeah. true and eternal and something we can, we can really sink our teeth into regardless of the intensity of those experiences. So I hope that encourages somebody. No, appreciate the, appreciate the words of encouragement. And it does. Caroline, anything that that you think, man, I wish Aaron would have asked that question. Um, you're the author. This is you put you can feel the passion when you talk about it. Is there a question or a thing that you think, hey, that would just kind of tie a ribbon on this before I ask you to ask you to pray for us? Well, I'll just mention this. You know, I talked about how it, at a store and saw our women's retreat, I retell the big story and all these different themes. And um, that has been something that has been so transformative in my relationship with the Lord and my relationship with the Bible. And I think that it's something that can be very exciting for others to read their Bible in that way. That if you have a theme in mind, it could be home. 
I also have a kid's book called The Story of Water because I've traced it with water. If you're keeping an eye out for those themes as you read, I think it can really transform your experience with scripture because it starts to to help you piece things together in a new way. And it can just be really exciting. And so I would just throw that out there that if there's yeah. anybody out there looking for, you know, something to do when they read their Bible, yeah. when I come across something about home, I'll draw like a little house in the margin. Or if I okay. see something about water, I'll draw waves in the margin or or whatever, whatever um, theme I happen to be studying. And it's just been so exciting. So I'm always telling people, you should try it. It's really fun. <laughs> so how do you come up with those themes? Is it something you feel like God lays on your heart, home, water? Um, is there a list that you've went through? Some, some that yes. it, is, it is interesting. So um, yeah, could you give us just kind of a primer on some of the ones you think would be would be fascinating to 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 begin to look through? Usually I have it in mind the year before I've done it because it's something I notice along the way studying another theme. And sometimes it's just people suggest it to me, you know, after story and soul one year, somebody said, Oh, you should do the story of the name. And I, I was thinking about it, you know, the story of God's name throughout the Bible. And I was so intrigued by that. So it's basically whatever really intrigues me. I chase my interest. I chase the curiosity and it always packs a punch. It's, it's insane what you can uncover if you're really looking for it. So I think that if, you know, somebody may have in mind like, oh, I want to do trees. Oh, I want to do bread. Oh, I want to do light. There's, there's a million different things you can do. And and it's, it's really, really fun. Yeah. I, I did. I I preached some of my friends listening to this will remember. I preached a sermon one time about goats. It was a theme on goats and it didn't go so well. I got ran out of, (laughs) I got ran out of town. We were in the South of Madagascar and I preached a sermon about, you know, Jesus is the Lamb of God, and several examples of you know where I don't know, was uh, Tamar and Judah and Tamar that was a goat. Um, Joseph used the brothers used the blood of a goat, you know, on his coat, and then there was another goat with the jealousy between, I think between Cain and Abel, I forget. Or anyway, one of those another story. It was not well received, so I, I kind of, I so I would not advise the goat one to follow that. Maybe theme. not the story of the goat, but not that, the story. That the story of the goat. Um, it's uh, not in not the greatest of all time. It was just anyway. I thought it was fascinating. It just didn't preach very well, um, or it, it it hit the wrong nerve. Um, maybe somebody could preach it better than I did, and uh, they didn't <laughs> like it. And I think it's the only time I've ever been run out of a town because of the message I was preaching, and uh, it was Goodness. about about goats. So anyway. It has been phenomenal to spend some time with you today. Um, evening for me, day for you. Will you will you pray for us? Will you pray that God will use this message of home to encourage those that are listening in? It would be my joy. Let's pray. Dear God, I thank you so much for this time together. I thank you for your story of home. The fact that you are, that through Jesus, you have built the way for us to be home, that every longing of our hearts is an arrow pointing to that, God. So I pray for the people listening right now who are experiencing pangs of homesickness, that your story would become more real in their stories, that they would look to you, um, that they would remember your promises, that they would cling to you, and that all these different experiences of pain would be something that would be a foundation to deepen their intimacy with you. 
We thank you for the many examples of homesickness throughout your word that minister to us and serve us. And we thank you that Jesus came, left his home in glory to tabernacle among us so that we could be with you forever. We praise you for that. We thank you for who you are. And we pray you would continue to lead us. And we pray, come soon, Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen.